what a blessing it is. What a privilege it is. What an honor it is. Does this make you appreciate the opportunity that you had when you used to get to come to church with your brothers and sisters? I know it has me. It has made me appreciate it. I'll never take it for granted again, y'all. I mean, the ability to be able to see each other, to be with each other, to feel the love of your brothers and your sisters, it's, it's just something that I think some of us have taken for granted over the years. Some of us have just sort of almost looked at church as a chore. Some, some, some of y'all have, have looked at a church as a duty. For those that serve in your local church, whether it's Solid Rock or another church, some of y'all are quote-unquote burnout on going to church. But I'll tell you what, you ain't burnout now, are you? You ain't burnt out now, are you? Because you, you, you wish you could go back and park a car. You wish you could go back and shake somebody's hand, hand out a worship guide or work the nursery or work in children's ministry. It makes you appreciate being in the house of God. Can I get somebody to say amen? Today I want to preach a message to you. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since I've had two or three weeks in a row with standalone messages and not a series. But these are different times. And, and I believe on a weekly basis, things can change. I mean, those things can change from a Monday to a Friday that makes it feel like it was changed in a month. I mean, it, it, I can't even imagine that what's happened since last Sunday. In the last three weeks, three to four weeks, the whole world has been turned upside down. So I've been praying every week, God, what do you want me to say to the people today, this week? What is the word that you want me to bring this week? So, not a part of a series. This is just a word that God put on my heart. I want you to say it with me. Everybody in this room and everybody that's watching at home, I want you to say this with me. Everything, say it again, everything has changed. Everything. Now, now watch this. You, won't, you don't see the manifestation of everything that's changed, but you will see that very soon. Everything has changed. I'm telling you, when this is over, when this is over, and somebody say, this will pass. Somebody say, this too shall pass. And when it passes and it is behind us, you're going to find out that everything has changed. Everything. Some things will be subtle. Some things will be very obvious. But everything, everything has changed. Everything. I'm telling you, Everything has changed. Everything has changed. Banking has changed. Brother, chill for just a second. Banking has changed. Retail industry has changed. Shopping has changed. Are you hearing me, church? Shopping has changed. The way you work has changed. Even if your job has not changed yet, and even if you look at your industry and you think this industry is not going to change, you better know every industry is going to see some type of change in some way. And you may not see it immediately. You may not see it within a few weeks. You may not see it within a few months. But you will look back on 2020 and you will see what you're doing right now. And you will understand that 2020 changed everything. See, when 2020 started, of course, all preachers talked about 2020 vision. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm one of the same one. We had a bracelet that said 2020 vision. But I prayed about a word. I prayed, God, what is my word for 2020? I start praying about that towards the end of the summer of a previous year and certainly get serious about it in the fall because I want it in place in my heart by the time we get to New Year's Eve. So my word, obviously knowing that none of this was coming, my word was clarity. I want to see things with clarity the way they really are. My God, my God, if I would have only imagined what was going to happen in order for the scales to fall from our eyes, for the layers to be peeled back, for us to be able to finally see what really is existing and what really matters. Oh, I wish I had somebody to help me. Everything has changed. Business models the way people start a business has changed. That's in the secular world. In the emotional world, our mindset has changed. Our habits have changed. 
our priorities have changed. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, your priority used to be Xbox. Your priority used to be PlayStation. But now, all of a sudden, you realize you should have been focused on your children. You should have been focused on your spouse. You should have been focused on doing some things around the house that you've neglected, that you've wasted hours playing video games. I'm not, I'm not judging you if you like to play video games, but all of a sudden, you're realizing, my God, I don't know how much longer I might have. So I need to start prioritizing my life. I'm preaching good this morning. I think I'm getting some amens in this house, but I think I'm getting some amens on YouTube and Facebook. Hit that love, hit that like, and tell me to go ahead and preach. I think I will, whether you tell me to or not. How relationships have changed. Huh? Now I'm talking about at home our relationships have become, listen to me, tighter more focused. But in public, our relationships have, are being told to become distant. Oh, I'm preaching good. See, what's going to happen if you're not careful? Don't let your mindset be so programmed about the, what the Word is telling us, rightfully so, don't twist my words, to squash this virus Social distancing is something that we do need to do and respect. But if you're not careful, you will allow the enemy to change your entire perspective, even when this thing is long gone, on how you connect with people. But how can we be the church if we're not social? Huh? Even the word, and I understand the word, social distancing, if we're not careful, social distancing will become such a part of our culture once this thing is gone that, that we will forget that the body of Christ is very social, not distant, but close. Are y'all hearing me, church? So, so yes, thank God on the one side, our relationships with our family have changed for the better. But whether we realize it or not, even though we're doing a right and responsible thing by respecting the healthcare experts of social distancing, guard your heart that your heart is not changed during this time in a negative way. Our manners have changed. Our community has changed. When this is over with y'all, will you still please open the door for people? Will you still please grab a door handle and open the door for somebody and be kind? Don't let everything do that's, that's tied to kindness be removed from us. Our community has changed. How long is it going to take for us to be able to feel comfortable when this is over? And even our government says, you're free to go do whatever you want to do. How long will it take for us to feel comfortable to play in the park, to, to let our kids get on a swing set after somebody else? Listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to bring fear into you, but do what you need to do for this season, but don't let this season turn you in to a hermit, turn you into to somebody that never comes out, that nobody ever even knows. Listen, we've been called to be salt. Are y'all hearing me? We've been called to be light in the midst of darkness. What good is light if it's shut up in their house for the rest of time? Woo! My God, I like this. I got people spread out in all four sections of the house. Makes me feel like I'm getting us. I got an amen corner in all four sections. Y'all want to talk about social distancing, y'all. We're social distancing about 50 feet from each other. You say, well, this is Palm Sunday. What's that got to do with Palm Sunday? Hold on a minute. Everything has changed. Say it with me one more time. Everything has changed. Mm. I'm going to tell you something else you need to get. Pastors, preachers, that might have stopped on this, on a replay. Church has changed forever. The way we do church has changed forever. Mm, stay with me. I'm going to tell you something. In, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and make it plain. The church needed to change. 
Huh? Are y'all hearing me? The church needed something to change them. Come on. Am I right? Uh-huh. We needed a wake-up call. Yes, we did. We needed something to happen to make us appreciate what we have taken for granted. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When say, somebody say this with me. We will never be the same again. We will never be the same again. Somebody shouted, we will never be the same again. See, this is a good thing. The church has grown asleep. The church has grown weak. The church has grown, watch this, inwardly focused. The church who was supposed to be outwardly focused has become inwardly focused. This is the very reason that even in the Old Testament, God told his people that he did not want them to build him a house because he knew the nature of man would make the house God. We have made the church house God. Well, come on, somebody. I'm telling you, I'm not being critical, pastors. I'm being encouraging because I'm encouraging you that you had the anointing and the desire for harvest to go to get out of your comfort zone. But some of y'all never, ever live stream ever and ever decided you want to reach outside of your church building until you were forced to do it. And you didn't know how to do it. You didn't have nobody in your church knew how to do it. So you panicked. But thank God, I appreciate you, that you did it. But the reality is this. I'm not beating you up. But the truth is, the reason many, I'm not saying you, Pastor, but the reason many never even live streamed their services is because they thought, well, if nobody's going to come, if they ain't going to come here, I might as well not even care about them. But this has forced us to realize that there is a huge amount of this generation that is not coming. They're not going to be a first-time visitor on your, in your campus. But they may be a first-time visitor on your online campus like we've had today, which, by the way, to all our first-time visitors, we want to say welcome, welcome, welcome. And I'll tell you, when the doors are open, if you're in driving distance, you'll feel the love in this house, and you'll be welcome. Somebody shout, we needed to change. Well, let me just tell you something about Palm Sunday. Because some of y'all are trying to figure out what in the world has this got to do with Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, Jesus began a week on Palm Sunday that changed everything. Jesus changed everything. I'm going to show you how he started with the change. Are y'all ready? If you're ready, shout, I'm ready. ready. Luke chapter 19 is one of, the story, one of the telling of the story of what we call the great triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is the famous story that Jesus is riding on a donkey and the people are praising him and he's coming into the eastern gate of the walls of Jerusalem into the temple. Now, now we understand what Scripture says that fulfills this, that this is a fulfillment of Scripture, but this is a very powerful, powerful day. For this is the day that the church celebrates the beginning of what is called Passion Week. This week is Passion Week. Passion meaning the passion of God, the suffering of God, to where what he would go through in the next week leading up to the cross on Calvary on Good Friday, which by the way, if you're still watching us, and we'll advertise it everywhere that I didn't say anything about earlier, this Friday night, Good Friday, right here on this, on this online campus at 7.30 p.m., we are going to be taking communion together all over the world. Grab your bread, grab your juice, and get in front of that screen, and at 7.30, we're going to lead you in communion on Good Friday to remember the blood that was shed on Calvary, the body that suffered and was beaten and was crucified on a tree. But all of that came after Palm Sunday. Luke chapter 19, if you're there, shout, I'm there. Then they brought him 
to Jesus, and they threw, they're talking about the donkey, they brought the donkey to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. Can I tell you something? Jesus said, if I be lifted up. Let me tell you, some of y'all want Jesus to be down here on your level. Let me tell you something. If you want to really glorify Jesus, you're going to need to set him up. Praise God. Oh, that's another sermon. Set him on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road, meaning there were dirt, there were mud holes. And they didn't want the holy donkey that was carrying the holy Messiah of the world to step in mud. They wanted to honor. So they took their own coats that they would have to wear back home, and they would rather the donkey step on their garments than to step in the dusty or even muddy streets leading up to the eastern gate. Let me tell you something. Some of y'all need to get rid of some of the junk that's on you and lay it before Jesus. Some of y'all, some of y'all need to quit worrying about how, how sharp you look and all the things you're trying to acquire. And during this shaking that's going on, some of y'all need to throw some of that stuff down at the feet of Jesus and, say, and realize that, that, that you didn't really need a lot of that stuff anyway, that it's taking your attention away from what God wanted you to have. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. And as they were drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had been saved. And, of course, I chose this passage because of what I'm about to preach, but the, the same telling of this story in Matthew, it says they cut branches and they laid the branches before him as well and waved them. Luke doesn't talk about the branches, but Matthew does. With a loud voice, the mighty works that, that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, that's the religious people, called to him from the crowd. Says, teacher, rebuke your disciples. In other words, shut them up for what they're saying. And he answered and said to them, I tell you, if these should keep silent, the very stones would immediately cry out. Can I tell you something? Jesus is going to be praised. Hey, hey, I said Jesus is going to be praised. Either you're going to praise him, I'm going to praise him, or somebody else is going to praise him. Jesus is going to be praised. All of creation is praising the Lord right now, so you might as well join in with the trees and the water and the stones that are rolling. I'm tell you, I don't care if you think I'm silly for saying that, but I'm telling you, the majesty of God is all around us. Do you not see it? It's giving God glory. Jesus said, let me tell you something, I'm going to be praised. I'm riding a lowly donkey. It, I don't look like much. I don't have a crown on my head. I don't have a sword in my hand. I don't, I'm not carrying a scepter. I'm not clothed in gold and arraigned in purple. But I, I know who I am. I'm the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Yeshua HaMashiach. I am the Christ. I am the Christos. I am the anointed one and his anointing. I am the one that the prophets prophesied of that would suffer, that would be beaten beyond recognition, that would be like a lamb slain. Oh, are y'all hearing me? I am. Jesus knew who he was, and he said, it's useless and senseless and silly to tell them to stop praising me because this ain't just any day. Are y'all hearing me? Notice that, you know, we don't know if he would have rebuked them in this matter on another day. But this was a special day. This was the day that Jesus began a mission to change everything. He knew what he was going to have to suffer. The very people that was crying out, Hosanna, Many of them, in just a few days, would be the very same people crying out, crucify him. So Jesus, it wasn't, it wasn't an ego thing. Because when you praise God, it blesses God. And he knew the, the man side of him, Jesus, would have to suffer like no one would ever have to suffer. 
Of course, we know that he eventually goes to the Garden of Eden. I mean, excuse me, not the Garden of Eden, but the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying. He says in the Garden of Gethsemane, if it's even possible for there to be another way, Lord, let there be another way. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he was under such anxiety and stress that his sweat became as great drops of blood. Listen, he's Alpha and Omega. They didn't catch him by surprise. He knew that was coming. So he needed to be blessed. He needed to recognize. Jesus wanted to be praised at this moment. Can I tell you something? Jesus always wants to be praised. He don't ask us for really anything. He just asks us for our praise. The Bible says we have been created to show forth the praises of our God. Are you with me, church? So Jesus knew this wasn't just any other day. This day needed to be acknowledged. This was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy that said the Messiah would enter into the temple riding on a lowly donkey. He knew this was not just, he'd walked in that temple many times, y'all, many times over 30 years, 33 years at that time. He had walked in that entrance of that temple. He had walked the grounds. He was widely known there. But what was different about that day? His disciples by that time, because remember it said that they, the whole multitude began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. They had three years of miracles and proof that he wasn't just saying that he was the Messiah. He had proven that he was the Messiah. So therefore, those people in the crowd were not recognizing him as the Messiah for the first time. They, were, they had further evidence. When they set him up on that donkey, they had been taught and they knew the prophetic importance of that donkey ride into the eastern gate. They knew this is the Messiah. But here's, here's the thing. Here's why just a few days later they cried, crucify him. They thought... It meant that the Messiah was going to ride in on that donkey, and they were praising him. Many of them were because they thought he was about to go into the temple, declare himself to be the Messiah, and destroy the Roman Empire and reestablish Israel, the powerhouse that they were. But when they saw that he didn't come as that kind of king, they turned on him. Are you hearing me, church? But Jesus is not deterred from his mission based on what people think about him. How many people, how many atheists, how many evolutionists that want to deny the creative power of God, how many atheists that want to believe and declare that God doesn't exist are all dead and gone and nobody remembers them, but Jesus is still being talked about. Jesus is still being praised. Even on the actual secular newscast, they are acknowledging Palm Sunday. This morning on a national worldwide news network, as I'm passing through my living room, they are on the news. They stopped everything talking about the coronavirus and had somebody singing Amazing Grace. Are you hearing me? God is going to be glorified on this day. We now, we would have never had this before. This is what I mean by everything has changed. Two months ago, you'd never see a commercial like the one Franklin Graham has out right now. But Franklin Graham's commercial, because of what we're going through, is is given him the is empowered him to do this. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. He doesn't just talk about it in this hard times. We need to call on God. He says, "Listen to me. I know this has got you troubled. It's got you nervous. It's got you worried, and it's got got you wondering what's going to happen." Let me tell you something. There is a God that loves you, that knows you, that's created you. His name is Jesus. And if this is what he says on the commercial, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I'm talking about a a sinner's prayer. Everything has changed. Everything has changed. People that that used to would have knocked that off the air are afraid to knock it off the air now because they know people need hope. Are you hearing me? Jesus changed everything. You don't believe Jesus changed everything? His birth changed the way we count years. 
He came into the world. The world stopped counting and started over. We're in the year 2020 based on counting from the birth of Christ. Are y'all hearing me? You think think Jesus knew that was going to happen? Of course he did. If he knew that was going to happen, then how about this? He knew that he designed our eyes to have 20-20 vision when they're working correctly. He knew that 2,020 years from the birth that he came into this world, he knew that we would need to see things more clearly than we've ever seen them before. I'm sorry. I'm just crazy enough to believe stuff like that because it's the Bible. Come on. (laughs) I know I'm opening myself up to all kinds of comments. Bring them on. If you have an intelligent response, I'll respond. But if you're just being just antagonizing and trying to come against my God, I want you to know I will delete you. (laughs) And I'll even ban you if I have to. I ain't scared. Everything changed. Everything changed has changed. The people knew that there was something different happening on that day. I want you to look at the parallel, the parallels of the first Palm Sunday and Palm Sunday 2020. The religious people and the authority people tried to get the people to quiet down and hush. Jesus rebuked them and said, if they don't praise me, the rocks will praise me. Let me tell you something. We live in a generation. We live in a world. I talked about this not long ago before this ever even happened. I stood right on this stage just a few weeks ago and called out these politicians that when tragedy happens, the first thing they say now, many of them when they come to a podium is, I appreciate what you're saying, but we're tired of hearing our thoughts and prayers are with you. Our, your prayers are ineffective, and they don't mean anything. And that's another way of saying, shut up. Your prayers are trivial. Keep them to yourself. Don't bring them out into the street. But let me tell you what's happened. While they've tried to shut us up, think about it. More people are hearing the gospel right now around the world than anybody in this generation has ever heard. The more they try to persecute us, the stronger we get. What you, what do you think's going to happen the first two or three Sundays when the president and the governor in the Jefferson County says, we got the all clear, pastors. Put it on your social media. Y'all can have church together Sunday. What do you think's going to happen in this place? You think we're going to be timid? You think we're going to be quiet? You think we're going to sit there with our hands, on, sitting on our hands? Folks, we're going to praise God like we ain't never praised God. Folks that ain't ever danced are going to dance. We're going to run around this place. We are going to be unashamed. You can't stop us. We're more determined to praise. The more you tell us to shut up, the more determined we are to speak. I wish I had somebody in the balcony that would shout. Thank you. Look at the parallels. I'm not just talking about they're trying to quiet us down by not letting us meet. Not, I don't want to even put it that way, not letting us meet, because you twist my words. Suggesting that uh, and mandating that this is the safest thing to do. I don't have a problem with it. As you see today, even that mandate, we are complying because the Word of God tells us to obey those who have rule over us. But you know what? The one that we obey more than any is Jesus Christ. And He's told us to preach the gospel. Watch what else He said be instant in season and out of season. Instant in season and out of season. Oh, yeah, this knocked us for a loop, this caught us off guard. But I'm more determined to preach the gospel today than I've ever been in my life. It hasn't silenced us. See, this started way before a pandemic. The church, even without being told to, has grown silent on subjects. Are y'all ready? Oh, people don't like this on a Palm Sunday. I'm going to have people, our subscriber numbers are probably going to go down right now, right after I say this because they don't like this word anymore. In church, they don't like pastors to talk about it. But we've grown silent on talking about sin. Sin, S-I-N, sin. For we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Sin. Sin is what we're born into. 
Sin is when we reach the age of accountability where we know right from wrong is what our nature goes to. If we were not sinners, we would not need a Savior. Jesus came so that the sinners could be saved. So here's the reality. Some of y'all, you need to hear me. You are raised in church. You've been going to church for years. You found you a church that makes you feel fluffy and butterfly inside, and you love it, and you're proud of the fact you're going to the church, but no one, no one has ever told you that you need to address the subject of sin in your life. If you have never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, that's the sinner's prayer. Confession is made with the mouth. You have to ask the Lord to come into your heart. Confess Him as Lord and Savior. Ask God to forgive you of your sins. You can do it right now. You don't have to wait till the end of this service. You can say it right now. Jesus, I'm being convicted by your Holy Spirit. Forgive me of my sins right now. I don't want to live my life as a sinner. Just pray that prayer right now. And guess what? Just like the title of this sermon, everything will be changed. If you prayed that prayer right now, shoot it in that comment section. I just got saved. I just asked God to save me. Don't wait till the end. Do it now. We've grown silent on subjects like holiness. I'm not talking about makeup and hairstyle and clothing. I'm talking about living a life that is pursuing holiness before God. I'll tell you something else a lot of churches have stopped preaching about. Miracles. They've been silent on the fact that Jesus still does miracles. And when you see things like this happen, you say, many people that were on the fence, and some of them that even believed in miracles don't believe in miracles anymore because they say, what kind of loving God will let this happen? Let me tell you something about our loving God. Our loving God didn't do this. This is the result of the curse that happened, the decisions that man has made. And many times, I'm not saying that this is it, and I'm certainly not saying this about your loved one, but a lot of times I'm talking about countrywide. I'm talking about nationwide and regionwide. Whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. If you if you sow to the Spirit, you shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. But if you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. Huh? I know we don't like it. This ain't no Palm Sunday sermon for me. Well, yeah, it is. If you'll stay here, you'll hear a Palm Sunday sermon the way it was supposed to be preached. You ain't going to keep it silent. Silent no more. Now, watch how the parallels continue. Chapter 19 of Luke, verse 41. It says, and as he drew near, this is after the palm branches. This is after, the, you know, if they don't praise me, the rocks will cry. As he drew near, he saw the city, and he wept over it. Listen to what he said. This is immediately, this is still Palm Sunday, y'all. These are the things that people don't preach about on Palm Sunday. He, he said, if you had known, even you, watch these words, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. He says, what you don't understand is you are looking for peace from, a, from the wrong angle. You are looking for it to come from the wrong person, the wrong entity. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil, this day, there is a revelation of your peace. But if you are not keenly aware and tuned into the Spirit, you are going to miss it. Watch what he says. This day, somebody say this. Not only the day of salvation, but this is the day of your peace. Not chaos. Peace. Now watch this. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, comma. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. In other words, the way you come out of this is all tied to how you see this and how you rectify this and how you will praise God in this. 
He said, you don't even realize that the days are coming and I'm the one that's trying to bring you peace. This temple's going to be destroyed very soon. Not one stone's going to be left upon another. But more than anything, they're going to kill me. You're going to think everything is gone. You're going to lose all hope. Turmoil, attack, persecution is going to come against the church like we can't even fathom. We think we're being persecuted because we've got to stay home. We can still go to Walmart and get groceries. We call that persecution. You don't know persecution. Read the book of Acts. Or how about this? Just study the Christians in Syria. Study the Christians in Iraq that are being killed for their faith. Just study that and realize you ain't being persecuted. You still got your TV. You still got your Internet. You're watching us right now on the Internet. You're not being persecuted. Now watch this. He says, there's going to come attacks that the enemy is going to surround you. It's going to build walls that look like there's no way out. Does that sound familiar? Attack after attack. They will surround you. They will build an embankment around you. They will close in on you from every side. It seems like everything that we need in our family, our jobs, our finances, our, our children going to school, our education, our blah, 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 is being hit, 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 day after day. It seems like it gets worse and worse and worse, and it's, it has an intention. It says in verse 44, the enemies, I know this is talking about the times that Jesus was coming in, and it's not talking about our times, but we can see the parallels here. We can see the, the, the nature of the enemy. When the enemy comes in, he comes in to level you to the ground. You think he's happy just keeping you home? No, he wants you to lose your home. No, he wants you to lose everything. His, his, John 10 says, the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. The devil is not happy with you staying home to April 30th. He seems like he's got you whooped. He wants to destroy this nation. He wants to destroy the economy. Why does he want to destroy the nation and the economy? Because if he destroys the nation and the economy and jobs, he'll destroy you. And if finances become a problem in many, in many families, marriages will come under attack and, and wives will leave husbands and husbands will leave wives and children will leave home and kids and parents will leave their kids. All, it's all an asserted attack. It's a barrage. It's the fiery darts of the wicked. Are you not thankful, though, that as a child of God, that he's given us armor, come on, where we can quench the fiery darts of the enemy, where we've got something. God has equipped us to be able to hunker down in the midst of the attack. I wish I had somebody to help me preach. Some of y'all need to give me some comments. Let me know I'm preaching good. He says, here's why you're going. this is going to happen to you. When it's all said and done, if you are rubble, if you look around, and you, I'm not talking about materialistic things. I'm talking about who you are. If you are left in ruins emotionally, spiritually, even physically, and even to some extent materialistically, Jesus said it will be because you missed the time of your visitation. Jesus is on a mission today. He is trying to touch you and your family right now. He's trying to use this broadcast to bring you hope, to bring you faith, to, to cause you to stand up and say the devil is a liar. See, Jesus was beginning his last week in human form. Think about that. He was beginning his last week in human form. He was preparing to suffer and die for all humanity. But he cared enough to let them know what was coming. He was prophesying of not only the destruction of the temple, he was prophesying of the persecution that would come against the thing that he would establish called the church. He was trying to give them a word to stand on. He was trying to give them something to remind them that when these things happen, because they don't look like they're happening now, looks like everything's going. I mean, this economy was kicking. I mean, nobody had a worry in the world. People were buying things again. They were, they were all blah, 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 blah. And I'm talking about it, it's like somebody hit a light switch. Crash and burn. God's been trying to prepare us. And I'm going to toot my own horn, but I've been trying to prepare this church. 
I preached a series not long ago talking about unshakable kingdom, trying to tell you there's a shaking coming. Hebrews chapter 12 says everything, yet once more, everything that can be shaken shall be shaken until that which cannot be shaken remains. I don't know about y'all, but I feel like a whole lot of shaking is going on. Huh? He was trying to let him know. You know what the Bible says? Paul said this to Timothy. He says, listen, there's going to come times. That you're going to doubt who you are. But listen to what he said to Timothy. This ain't in my notes. This is what he said. He said, Timothy, hold tight to that prophecy, that word which was spoken over you, that with it you might war a good warfare. Are y'all hearing me? I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life that the devil tried to destroy me, if I, but if I didn't have a word on it, if I didn't remember what somebody spoke and prophesied in my life or something I got from Scripture, I grab a hold of that thing like a palm tree. Come on, on palms. Just holding on in the midst of the storm. Some of y'all need to get a word and hold on to it. That's what he was trying to give them. They didn't see what he was talking about because it was prophetic. He said, don't miss the time of your visitation. Don't miss this moment. See, Jesus was saying, the enemy's got you surrounded. How about that song? It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, come on. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. Have you forgotten that? When's the last time you sang that song? Some of y'all need to get it out tonight and put it on play in your house and teach your kids, this is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. It may look like we're surrounded, but we know we're surrounded by him. Oh, it's just good preaching. Don't miss your peace. Don't miss that everything has changed in a good way. You might have missed your peace. Don't let the devil cause you to miss your peace because you're so distracted by all the things that are coming around you. I tell you, some of y'all are sitting in front of that TV and watching the news for eight, ten hours a day. Used to work eight to ten hours a day. You've replaced it by sitting and watching people rehash and retell the same thing over and over and over again, and it is sucking the life out of you. You have missed the time of your visitation. My God, if anything, just get out and go out in your backyard and walk around. Just look at the things that are of God. See, what people usually miss on Palm Sunday, and they don't ever want to talk about it, is that Palm Sunday was not just a day, mm, I'm about to step on some toes here. It's 1130 if you're taking medicine, if you're watching this live. Central time. i got to say that now because we've got people watching other time zone. See, Palm Sunday is only talked about him coming in on the donkey. But what they didn't realize, they thought he was the big deal was that he was entering the gate. No. As soon as he entered the gate, he was inside the walls of the temple. He was there for a reason. He was not there just to ride a donkey. The donkey was what brought him in and, and identified him as the Messiah. Mm, 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 mm. He was on a mission. Somebody say he was on a mission. Mm-hmm. Listen to what he does on Palm Sunday. Right after that, when he says you're going to miss the time of visitation, verse 45, then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and said in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. That was on Palm Sunday, y'all. Oh, but that don't feel sweet. We're not talking about a cute donkey, and pastor's not preaching about a donkey and saying, look at your neighbor and tell him, don't be a King James donkey. Some of y'all get that later. Last year we had the rope. Remember the rope? I still got my rope. Tied. He said, you made the house of God a den of thieves. Watch this. And he was teaching daily in the temple. 
Now watch this. But the chief priests, the scribes and the leaders, sought to destroy him. But they were unable to do anything. For all the people were very attentive to him. Notice, he was on a mission. He came to teach. But he didn't teach until he got rid of the thieves. See, there's a purging going on. There's a sifting going on in the house of God. And those fake, pretty boy, pretend preachers that's got a pulpit because their daddy had a pulpit and because their granddaddy had a pulpit and they just started preaching because that's all their family knows how to do, but they ain't never been called. And, and you got some of these wolves in sheep's clothing up in the pulpit taking advantage of the sheep of God. Mm-hmm. Turn it into a paycheck. It ain't nothing but a job to them. And now they're freaking out because they don't work, they don't know if they're gonna be able to get their salary. Huh? They don't, they don't, they, they've been got exposed. I'm gonna tell you something. God is filtering out those preachers right now. He's getting rid of those that have made it inwardly focused and all about themselves, that has turned the house of prayer into a den of thieves. You say, well, I thought he was talking about selling sacrificial doves and talking about selling animals to be sacrificed. Of course he was. That's what he's talking about in, in, in the actual event. But I'm going to tell you something. We don't do that anymore. We don't bring doves and lambs and all that into the church. You know what we do? We bring finances into the church. And preachers have taken advantage of the people of God and have turned this thing into a money-making scheme. And I got news for you. I believe in prosperity. I believe that God wants to bless us. I ain't got no problem with a preacher being blessed. I ain't got no problem with anybody being blessed. But I'm telling you, when you turn the house of God into something for your own personal gain and you've forgotten why we're supposed to be here in this time of the visitation, you, brothers and sisters, are being run out. By Jesus. Now, Jesus still loves you. He's just tired of you being in charge. Huh? It don't mean he don't love you. You just need to give the mic up. You need to go get a job because you ain't a preacher. If you ain't preaching the Word of God, you ain't a preacher. If all you ever do is get up here and tell cute stories and you never read the Word of God, you never preach, you never equip, you never empower, then what in the world are you doing? Mm-hmm. Boy, I could say some stuff right now. I got stuff running in my mind right now. If that camera wasn't on, I'd probably say it. Woo! If I don't hurry up and keep talking, I probably will say it, say it anyway, so I need to hurry up and talk. Somebody say the church. I'm almost through. This is what, this is what I love about my, about my folks. I said, somebody say the church, and they said, the church? <laughs> they said it just like, Ooh, I love it. The people, the temple of the church of today have become so inwardly focused and lost their way that Jesus drove them out. This act changed everything. See, you know the story in the Bible where the man wanted to be healed? And he said, I'll heal you, but I can't do it here because there's too much unbelief. He led him out of the city. Jesus took a man out of the city and as soon as they crossed the city line, he healed him. You know what that tells me? I know Jesus and God is all-powerful. He, he could do a miracle anytime he wants to. But here on this earth, he does miracles tied to our faith. There are a lot of reasons that God is not doing miracles in some churches. is because there ain't nobody in the church starting with the preacher that has enough faith to believe that God still does miracles. So you know what he's going to do? He's going to do miracles in the church that believes in him. Come on, y'all hear me. So why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because I'm going to give you another example, and I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you that. You remember he was praying for the young girl that was dead? She's already dead. There was weeping this morning. Jesus walks into the room. They're all dead. Jesus looks at a few people and says, I need all the people that don't believe to get out. Because what I'm about to pray, I only need people in this room that believe I can do what I'm doing. 
I've been in services before where I was about to pray for somebody with a very serious miracle, and I would say, listen, I've been this with all respect. It's been a long time since I did this, but I probably need to start doing it again. I've said it with a microphone. I mean no disrespect to anybody here, but if you don't believe that God can do this, I'm going to ask you, if you're going to sit there and doubt, not that your faith is not strong, but if you're sitting there doubting and, and in your mind saying things coming against what we're trying to do for Jesus right now, then I'm going to need you to step out in the foyer because I need people in this room that's going to believe God for a miracle. Are y'all hearing me? I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you, Jesus didn't start teaching what he needed to teach on his first day of his last week in human form until he got rid of the people that were trying to destroy the people of God. He got them out. He didn't stop loving them, but he got them out of a place of influence so that the people could be attentive and hear in the time of the visitation. Well, some of y'all getting this and some of y'all ain't. And the ones that don't get it need to go back and watch it again. So I want to tell you something. Everything has changed. Palm Sunday was a triumphal entry, not just to the gate of Jerusalem, but into the temple to make sure the temple had been cleansed. Do you know where revival begins? We're crying out for revival. Revival, do you understand what the word revival means? It means to bring something back from the dead. You see this shirt? I'm a part of a network called City Harvest Network, Pastor Rob Parson. I'm also a part of Judah Nation, Bishop Clint Brown, part of Ambassadors Network, born anything, I'm part of the kingdom of God. But I love this shirt because it's wheat, represents the harvest. Are y'all hearing me? See, that's the problem. The problem is we've lost sight of the harvest. Jesus said when it's all said and done, this is what matters, the harvest. Everything has changed. People have become so inwardly focused, they've forgotten about the harvest. They've forgotten about what God has called us to be, salt and light. What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Just throw it down and tread upon it. It's just a rock. See, people are scared. People are nervous. People are anxious. That's human. But I want you to know something. I know you're scared. I know you feel like everything's changed. Nothing's going to be the same again. Instead of letting that be a, a defeating statement and probably a true statement, even in the natural, let it be an empowering statement. Nothing's ever going to be the same again. I'm not going to put my faith in a bank again. I'm not going to put my faith in a government again. I'm going to thank God for my bank. I'm going to thank God for my government. I'm going to pray for my banker. I'm going to pray for my, my governor, my mayor, my president, my councilman. I'm going to pray for all of them. I'm not turning my back on them, but I'm not going to put my faith there anymore. I'm not going to put my faith in the stock market. I'm not going to put my faith in the value of a dollar. I'm not going to put my faith on, on, on anything that's in the secular. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. I'm not going to miss my time of visitation. Everything has changed. Everything. So, we're, so what's happening is we are being forced to think about things that go against our nature. We're being forced, there again, rightfully so, to think about things called social distancing. But social distancing, do you understand, is for you, but more than anything, if you look at it in the true sense, it's for other people. It's to keep other people safe. You, they want you, yes, to protect you from if you're in front of somebody six feet away from them, but the stay-at-home order is 100% exclusively not about you. So I was thinking about stay-at-home this week, and I was thinking, Think about the irony of that statement. Our government, rightfully so, in the middle of a pandemic is saying, stay at home, and when you stay at home, that tells us you're focusing on others. Even though you can't see anybody except for those that are in your home. But you have made an unselfish commitment to limit yourself in what you would love to do for the sake of others. And I thought about that. I thought, my God, there's so many kingdom principles happening around us that we're missing the moment of our visitation. What is home? What do we say? We have it on our sign. We have it in the foyer when you come in. It says, welcome home. We want our church, we want the body of Christ to feel like a family. 
That's what home is. Where your home is, when they say stay at home, they mean stay with your family. Or if you're by yourself, stay in your home, but yet you still have family. You have some kind of level of friends. Your home is where your family is. So stay at home. Stay with your family. But while you're staying with your family, you're helping generations of people that many of them that you don't even know. Many of them are that are vulnerable. Many of them that have pre-existing conditions. The elderly. You're thinking of them. So how about this? Everything's changed. Stay at home in your spirit. Hashtag stay at home in your spirit. Because when you stay at home in your spirit, we are at home when we are in the presence of God. We are as believers to be, listen, to be absent for the bodies, to be present with the Lord. We are citizens of two worlds, y'all. I'm telling you, we live here on this earth, but our names are written in a citizenship book called the book of life in heaven. We are known in heaven. There's a place being prepared for us by our king so that we can live with him. But God said, I need you to stay at home. But I need your mind and your spirit to be focused on what home means. Everything has changed. Stay at home causes you to think of others. Jesus had a word to teach when he came in on Palm Sunday. But it's hard to hear a word of God about faithfulness when someone is always trying to give you a quick fix, hurried up, sacrifice. That's what, that's what made him so mad. The whole premise of Passover when you came in was that you brought something that you had raised, you had taken care of, you had nurtured, you had prepared for that moment. A lamb, a dove that you had to feed that you had to protect from other animals. And when it came time to sacrifice, you put the lamb on your shoulder, on your son's shoulder. You brought the, the little cage with the doves in it that you fed, that you watered. So when you came to the temple, you came bringing your faithfulness to God. But the church people had started a racket. They had turned church service into you go do everything you want to do during the week. Come give God about an hour on Sunday morning. And if you'll come on in here, we got some doves already ready for you. We got some lambs already ready for you. All you got to do is bring enough money. You bring the money in, we'll give you a lamb. The priest will never know. It's on the outside out there. They don't know who's bought stuff from us, who's brought stuff from the house. Just bring us some money. Y'all go party. Y'all go do what you want to do. Y'all don't think about anything else. Just show up. Bring us a little cash. We'll throw a lamb upon your shoulders. You walk up to the priest and throw it down, and you go home, and you feel good about yourself. Jesus said, you are robbing. Listen to what he says. You have turned the house of prayer into a den of thieves. Some people think that he was rebuking them for selling stuff. What he was rebuking them for is what they were selling was negating the prayer at home while they were hashtag staying at home that they should have been praying over that sacrifice before they ever got there. It eliminated prayer. It eliminated obedience. It eliminated faithfulness and gave them a quick fix. Well, the church has been turned upside down. You ain't got a quick fix now, do you? You can't come in and get a little bop on your head and, and somebody make you feel good about because they saw you. No, you got to make a conscious effort in your house on a Sunday morning to get out of bed, get up, get ready, and get your family in front of a screen. You have to do that. You have to bring the dove. You have to bring the sacrifice. Wait a minute. I thought we didn't bring sacrifices of bulls and goats anymore. No, but we still bring a sacrifice of praise. Oh, come on. You may, listen, that's what I praise. It's a sacrifice. Sacrifice means cutting. It's uncomfortable. I believe the money changers and the crooks in the house had to be run out. When we come out, come out of this, I believe they're going to be run out. And when we get rid of the money changers and crooks, then I believe for the first time in a long time, Jesus is going to be able to teach in the temple again. Everything has changed. When they got rid of the distracting, religious, legalistic people, the Bible said the people became attentive.
words of Jesus. I believe we, everything has changed. I believe the people are more hungry for God than they've ever been. They're certainly hungry for an answer. They're certainly hungry for the truth. Are you hungry for the truth? Are you looking for an answer? On Palm Sunday, are you going to let God, are you going to let Jesus enter the gate of your house? Can he come in? Will he find the palm branches welcome him? Will he hear Hosanna? Blessed is he who comes in my house in the name of the Lord. Will you let him come in and drive out religion, tradition, legalistic teaching and mentality that have stood between you and being able to hear Jesus? Are you open? The first way that you're open to Jesus where he can talk to you is he wants to talk to you as, his child, as, 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 the, as God's child. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, he's given them power to become the sons of God. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The next verse is just as important as 16. For God did not come into this world, for Jesus did not come into this world to condemn this world, but rather that this world might be saved. He doesn't condemn you today. Neither do I condemn you today. This has not been a condemning message. Promise you. I'm not trying to beat you up because you have sin in your life. I have sin in my life. I had sin in my life. I'm, everybody deals with sin. The difference is there's peace in knowing that you've surrendered that life of sin to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Bible calls him the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before Genesis 1 1 and 1 2 ever happened, it says, In the beginning, he said, Let there be light. It was light. Before that ever happened, the Word of God had decided to become flesh, dwell among us. The glory of the only begotten walked among us, flesh, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. Why? Why? So He could teach us, equip us, love us, show us the way. And after three and a half years of doing that, He let them pick Him up and set Him on a donkey. He rode that donkey in. What could have been going through his mind? Because he was all God, but he was in the body of a, an all man with a brain and a mind and emotion. He's like, man, if they only knew what I knew, what this week is going to really mean, not just for me, but for them. This week, this day, changes everything. You don't have to bring a bull and a goat to me anymore. Just bring yourself. Come with a humble heart. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand right there where you're at. Don't be embarrassed because your family's looking at you. This is too important. Just raise your hand. If you've never been born again in your life, I want you to say these words with me right now. Everybody in this house, help me. And everybody watching all around the world, even if nobody in your house is praying this prayer, you pray it out loud by faith because that's what we do at Solid Rock. Let's say it. Repeat after me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I admit I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, I want to say thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask you, to come into my heart and save me today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to type, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, whether you're watching live or on a replay, it's important for you to confess that. Out, get it out. Just type the words. I, I just, I, I was, I, I'm saved. I just got saved. I just got born again. I just gave my life to Christ. Whatever it is, type it on that screen so that we can rejoice with you, so that we can pray for you. Pray a hedge of protection around you. Then there may be some people out there that knows the Lord but has just checked out of church. But somehow you stopped on this channel. You want to keep scrolling, but something keeps holding you here. And you feel a pulling back to God to let the past go, to let what church people did to you go, what the preacher said, done, go. 
you know you don't need to go another day without Jesus and you need to come back to him, I want you to say this with me. And everybody else, help me again. Jesus, I'm coming back. I'm sorry that I walked away from our fellowship. I need you in my life. I'm asking you, renew my faith as I renew my commitment to you. Forgive me of every sin I've committed. I'm coming home in Jesus' name. Amen. If that was you, you just came, came back to God, let us know. Let us know. Just say, I just came back to the Lord. I just came back to the Lord. I want to say, Melissa Mona and Brittany Pitio just got saved and gave their life to Christ. Can we give God a praise for those that prayed the prayer of repentance? We're so, ha so happy for you. Your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You didn't miss the time of your visitation. This, changed ev this changes everything, Melissa. This changes everything, Brittany. This changes everything. So proud of you. So proud of you. So proud of you. I want to wait just a few more seconds. See if we can rejoice live. With anybody else that maybe just said, I'm born again, or I came back and rededicated my life to Christ. YouTube or Facebook, let us know. That's why we came here today. That's why this praise team practiced so hard. This is why our media team has worked so hard back there. Two people running a stage that normally takes Mary Collins just gave her life to Jesus. Come on. Come on, give the Lord a praise for Mary. Mary, this changes everything. This changes everything. We're so proud of you. Welcome to the family, to the family of God. But more importantly, welcome to the family of God. But I also want to say welcome to SRC family. But more importantly, welcome to the family of God. Praise God. If I, I, I'm having a brain freeze. I, I may know a couple of you. I may not. But if you're close to Birmingham, make this your church. Say, Pastor, you're my pastor. And, and let's just stay connected as long as we have to be connected here. But we come back together. Come be a part of this family. So proud of you, Melissa. So proud of you, Brittany. So proud of you, Mary. What amazing. What an amazing thing, guys. Does this not make it all worth it? Is this not incredible? This is so incredible. If you would like to give to our church, don't forget you can always give at solidrockgive.com. We appreciate your faithfulness in this time. You can text any amount to 84321, or you can mail your check in. The address will probably be up on the screen. We're thankful for the giver. Don't forget that tonight, how, about, how cool is this? Tonight at 6 p.m. Central Time, we'll be right back here on this channel. I'll be standing on this stage, and I'm going to pray for the sick, and I am going to believe for miracles. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us at Solid Rock. Come on, let's make some noise in here. Make some noise all over the online campus. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. God bless you.